I thought I was going to be the quote-unquote first Ryan Cameron. Well, I've always had a sense of entrepreneurship. Before I started cutting hair, I was DJing. I actually had my own uh, business in my dorm room. I think my business hours were like 7 to 10. So I, I ran it, you know, pretty, pretty tight. Shout out to Miss Jane. I'm not sure where she is, but this show is a reminder that I need to give her a call. Anyone can cut hair. Everyone can't be a barber. <laughs> Hello, welcome to another episode of the Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle Podcast. All right, so I'm excited to have uh, a very special guest, which I'll, I'll share. There's a number of reasons why I say he's a very special guest. I'll share that with you in just a second. First, let me read this quick bio. So on today's episode, we're joined by a true master in the barber industry. He's the founder and CEO of Fadeologist Inc., and a licensed barber instructor and a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. With over 25 years of experience, our guest has built a reputation for offering more than just a top-notch barber service. As a father and husband, he tirelessly gives of himself by spreading hope and inspiration to all who enter the doors of Phaeologist, leaving clients with a sense of self-value that far outweighs any physical beauty gained from a haircut. Join us as we dive into the life and work of this incredible CEO, master barber, and instructor, and learn more about his vision for the future of the barber industry. Please welcome John H.F. Douglas III to the podcast. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much, man. It's such a pleasure to be here. Um, it's been way too long, Dre. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. A lot of things have changed. As, yeah, we're all bald see, right? now. We're all bald here. We got a little bit gray. So let me share with our audience how far back we go. We go back to John was a barber. And correct me if I get this wrong. You know, our memories, you know, tend to blur things together. Okay. In the in the back of a of someone else's shop, in a, I think it was it was a Kennesaw or Marietta, he was working in the back of, of someone else's shop cutting hair, right? So I go in there. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how I first heard about him, but I, I went there and you know my man gave me a dope cut, so I kept coming back. He's like, Dre, man, I'm getting my own shop. I'm like, what? Right, okay, all right, cool. I'm a young guy. I'm like in my twenties, so he opened his own shop, right? And again, at that time, I, I didn't process all of this. I'm thinking, okay, cool. You know, I'll follow him wherever he goes. Open his own shop. Right. And so, like, this was his shop. He had uh, two or three other chairs in there. I mean, it was great vibe, dope cut, like everything you look for in a barber. Um, punctual. You know, you know, you go to some barber shops and it's like, oh, I hope I can get in there. How long am I going to have to wait? Is he gonna, is he going to go yeah. back and eat while I'm right, while right, you know? Right. None of that professionalism, dope <laughs> cut, everything you want to find. But here's the impact. Here's the impact he left on me. Right? I don't know if you remember this. So, one time I came for a cut and he was like, uh, "Hey man, come with me and drop this money off at the bank." I'm like, "All right." I'm a young dude. I'm I'm, I'm working in you know. Corporate America. I'm not thinking like an, I, I don't know anything about entrepreneur, entrepreneurship and banks and all that. And, and and truth be told, this didn't I didn't process this till later. Come with me to the bank to drop this money off, right? So you know he has his his, his money bag and we we'll go to the bank. I wait in the car, drops it off, and 
you know, we we talk and chat and whatnot, and then we get, come back to the shop. And the impact, that's the first time, Smiley, that I was exposed to a portion of what black excellence is, right? A man went from cutting to, in the back of someone else's shop, getting his own shop, showing this level of responsibility. We were in our 20s. I mean, most guys in our 20s were like, yeah, exactly. we're not thinking about entrepreneurship, building our, <laughs> building our business, right? My man was doing his thing yeah, back yeah. then. And then today, wow. we'll talk about where you are now today, but I just wanted to share that story with our listeners about, you know, from the beginning, from the beginning, this wow. master barber has been about his business. So I just wanted to share that story with you, John. Wow. I, do you remember that? Do you remember when, wow. when you took me to, do wow. you remember that? I don't know if you remember you that. You know, Dre, to be honest, man, uh, first and foremost, I'm, I'm even, uh, I'm just blown away that you would remember that. You never know the things that you do that may impact somebody. We're going to impact anyone that we uh, come in contact with, be it positive or negative. You know, for you to be able to, you know, pick that up from me, you know, I'm really, really humble. And uh, even more so than that, for you to go to the bank with me, that says that a, lot a lot about you. You must have trusted me. He didn't take you in the bank. He left you in the car. That was good. But he took you to the bank. He want me to know all his business. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, that's, that, that's humble, Dre. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that we got to uh, experience that. Yeah, man. yeah, man. And um, I also owe you a big thanks, man, for because you went from traveling maybe 10 minutes to see me to about 45 minutes. And so to come see me, I would take up about three hours of your day, bro. So... Uh, man, I really, really, really appreciate it. You don't know how much that impacted me yeah. and my life, man. For sure. So let's so let's talk about that. So, how did you discover um, that you had this gift, right, of cutting? Right, right. You know, giving people dope cuts. Take take us back. Where did that come from? Wow. Um, well, I've always had a sense of entrepreneurship. Um, before I started cutting hair, I was DJing in Athens, Georgia. Okay. I was 14 at the time. I was also 14 when I cut my first head or messed up my first head. Um, so it started in my parents' basement um, through repetition. Um, I got good. Um, I continued to cut hair in high school. But when I got in college, that's really when my life changed. That's when I really realized that I had a gift. Uh, not just a gift to cut hair, but a gift to to change people's lives from the outside in. And um, I actually had my own uh, business in my dorm room. Um, and I think my business hours were like 7 to 10. So I, I ran it, you know, pretty, pretty tight. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up having to drop out of school. My dad got sick with uh, colon cancer. Thank God he's still with us now. Um so because I had to drop out of school, he lost his job. Um, he caught, he got colon cancer, as I expressed earlier. And that's when I woke up and really, really got serious about the craft. And I called a barber, a local barbershop in Statesboro, Georgia, graduated from Georgia Southern. Um, and they allowed a wild college boy to come in and, and cut hair. And 
uh, the first day I knew that that's what I wanted to do long term. Now, rewind that. That was in 1992. But rewind two years prior to that, um, I had just got out of uh, boot camp. I actually uh, joined the Navy Reserve. And um, I set out of school about six to eight months then. And while I was in my, when I came back to school, I told my roommate that I wanted to open up a barbershop called Fadeologies. Uh, to be honest, I had no idea that I'd be working at the barbershop. Um, I was supposed to be a, a radio personality, somewhat like, like, like you guys are. Um, I thought I was going to be the mm-hmm. quote-unquote first Ryan Cameron, okay. but he beat me to the punch. Okay. And, um, <laughs> so I did an internship at uh, you know radio stations and things of that nature. But uh, barbering gave me an immediate return for my work financially. And Dre, when I when I met you, um, I was actually still an apprentice. Um, I, I started cutting you back in 1994 uh, at Hair Designs by James. Yes, that was it. At that time, that was the second. Yep, that was it. Off Cannon That's Road. One. Yes, sir. Shout out to Jane. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Shout out to Miss Jane. I'm not sure where she is, yeah. but this shows a reminder that I need to give her a call. Um, um, but from that point, Dre, um, again, I, that's when I realized that I was I was good. And my craft, I was good at working with people and, you know, changing their lives again, you know, from the outside in. And here we are 28 years later, bro. Yeah, and I'm still doing it. Blessed to still be healthy and blessed to still be, you know, changing lives, man. One haircut at a time. That's amazing. And, and I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, currently I live in Tampa. But when I look at barbers, especially the, the barbershops we had in Pittsburgh, it was like a a male fellowship. It was like where all the the mental health and healing comes in. You go there because you get your hair cut, but then you see your friends in the neighborhood and all that other stuff. So it was like providing spiritual, mental support, emotional male support, because that's where you just go and connect. But the question I have for you is more on the business side. I like the idea that you said you were an entrepreneur, you had your different uh, ventures. How was the transition from being your own barber at the at someone's chair in someone else's business to having your own barbershop with other barbers and you're now the player coach. And let's say you have your skills, you have all that, but then you got somebody else who come in there and their skills may not be there or they messed up Dre's cut and you're like, man, I got to come behind my boy here. Or how do you, how do you give up that control because you're an expert at your craft and allows them to flourish. Was that a hard transition? Barbering, whether you work for your, whether you work at your own establishment or not, when you are in that chair, when you are occupying that space, that's your own business anyway. All I did was just expand mm-hmm. that. And I didn't always know uh, what to do. I didn't always know how to cut hair. I didn't know um, how to always approach or speak to people, um, help them resolve issues. But over repetition, you learn. You know, I watched my master barber mm-hmm. time and time again. He was the he was the barbershop clown. And so naturally, that's what I became. <laughs> and so, um, you know, at, at the age of 52, I've kind of laid back. I like to, uh, I still cut hair just as much, but I, I kind of oversee, uh, moderate the conversation a little bit. But you know, I let the younger barbers kind of, you know, control that way. Um, but 
in regards to inviting young brothers to to become master barbers, that's an opportunity to to speak in their lives. Anyone can cut hair. Everyone can't be a barber. So, you know, um, just speaking into their lives and teaching them the craft, that's that's what it's all about for me. And it, it's not hard. Uh, the hardest part is just having patience and, and watching people develop. It's kind of like having your own, like I used to play baseball, play football, and, and, and you, you're watching your, your, your kids play and, you know, sometimes you have to pay other people to teach them the same yeah, thing that you're trying to tell them. they won't listen to us. Exactly. You know, sometimes, to be honest, They've had to go to other barbershops and come mm. back to realize, hey, this was the best place for me. Mm. So, yeah, hopefully that, that answers your question, man. No, you answered it perfectly. And you took me back in, in time. And okay. there weren't too many brothers there, but we had a few Africans. So the Africans do. And when you said everybody can cut hair, but not everyone's a master barber. I fall into right. the camp of I could cut hair because gotcha. the African brothers would come to me and say, smiley. I need you to cut my hair because you're the only one to have guards. I've had the guards on it and I just cut it. And then the the American brother's like, you ain't cutting my hair. You're using a guard. What's wrong with you? You know, so it was like the whole culture class. I had all the Africans coming to me because I used a guard. And the brothers wouldn't come to me like, if you got a guard, you don't know what you're doing. I was like, but I'm making revenue here. What do you mean? So I cut hair. I wasn't a master barber. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you you mentioned being a master barber. and I, I, I know you have you've had thousands and thousands of clients, but and so I know you don't remember this. But there, there, oftentimes, when I go sit in his chair, you know, he, you know, like all barbers do, they hold the mirror up. I I knew I never needed it. I never I, I didn't need to look and see yeah, if it was if anything was off or missing. It was you know he's one of those barbers. So so guards, yeah yeah. That, hey, <laughs> hey, Trey. Yeah. hey man. Yeah. I, hey, I really appreciate you. I, I, I appreciate you building yeah. me up. But from my recollection, yeah. oh, you held the mirror about five minutes. You know, just, <laughs> hey, especially, especially 21, 22-year-old Dre, when you're about to go out, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to sit up here and let you lie on your own podcast. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to admit, I, I did have a bit of a problem. Like, I, I think there were times I felt like I might have come every week. I, I, I know I was in there often because yeah. I, w- I wanted to remain tight. So you're right. You know, 21, 22. Hey, hey, yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, now, didn't you have a texturizer too, bro? <laughs> well, come on. Hey. He had a Jerry curl. He had Dre had a Jerry curl. <laughs> I you said you couldn't remember. Hey, we, hey, hey, we both did. <laughs> I thought you said hey, you couldn't we, remember. Hey, we both did, Dre. I remember one time, I, I remember one time he, was like, he was like, Dre, man, you can't come here with your hair wet, man. You can't, I can't cut it when it's wet. I, <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> I, I put the texturizer yes, in, wash it, and it goes straight to the to the shop, you know, so it can get right for Saturday night. Yes, sir. But he was like, dude, you can't come in here with your hair wet. <laughs> so hey, I know the feeling, yeah. hey, hey, we both had texturizers, yeah. baby. That's what it was back then, right? That's yes, what sir. it was back That's then. That's what we did, yeah. man. Hey, we talked. Hey, no disrespect, but Deion Sanders, we taught you, man. You know, <laughs> that's true. That's why I, I, I would go there to get my lesson. I go to get my lesson. So, so tell me this: you've been yes, successful sir. in the industry, okay, for you know a, a quarter century, 25, 25, 28 years. So, what's the secret to your success? Yeah. To be honest, um, there's no secret recipe other than drive 
determination, prayer, waking up consistently every single morning. Uh, my day begins between 4.30 and 5. And just that consistency, when you wake up that early, um, you're already two or three hours ahead of people. And you can knock out so much more. And, you know, by the time I get to work, I've already gone to work. Um, so being at the barbershop is the easy part. Behind the scenes is is really, really what takes up most of my time. Um, you know, admin can be a beast. And it also depends on, on how you run your barbershop. Um, I run my barbershop like it should be run. You know, it really hurts my feelings when, uh, it makes me feel good, but it hurts my feelings when people come in and say, Man, you run this like a real business. Well, every barbershop is a real <laughs> yeah. business. But mm-hmm. that's just how, you know, uh, barbering or barbershops are perceived. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really want to, my goal is just to kind of transcend that fake business real bit. I, I just want to be a businessman that's respected. Um, I want to change the industry. Uh, I'm trying to just impact the industry the best that I can and to let, you know, barbers know that hey, this is a real business and um, it will treat you how you treat it. If you have a part-time mentality, then you're going to make part-time financing. And you don't have to be an owner to make you know a lot of money cutting hair. You just have to just be there and be consistent, man, and persistent. And um, I've learned that clients, they don't, it's not our ability that they are concerned about. It's about our availability. Mm. And if you can mm-hmm. uh, make people feel comfortable with that availability, then you will be successful. Yeah, you know, that's that's one thing that I used to joke about with friends of mine, that in barber school, mm-hmm. they never taught, they, they, they teach you how to cut, but it's clear they never taught the barber how to provide good customer service, how to create an atmosphere where, you know, that client feels like they are the client. They never taught, um, right. you mentioned availability, being available. All of us can, well, probably not you, Jay, because you, you know, you, you know, you're a barber, so you never probably experienced this, but <laughs> Smiley, Smiley, I know you've been to barbers where you go in there, you're sitting in the chair, they're like, I'll be right back. And they go like, they go back, you know, and, and tackle that fish sandwich they purchased, you know, and the, you know, you just waiting for them That's to right. cut, and they, they cut back from the back, wiping their hands off, you know, <laughs> sucking their teeth, talking about let's go. Right. They, 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 don't, they don't teach that. And, and if you're able to find a barber that has that atmosphere, that welcoming atmosphere that we, we feel like you're the client, you'll never leave, you know, unless there's some, you know, we've all heard the stories too about, you know, churches and barbers you know people don't like people don't, don't switch them like right. you, you don't change barbers and churches like that something's got to happen so mm-hmm. so that's so let right. me ask a follow-up right. question right. so i've uh-huh. been i've been um uh, perhaps you might want to use the word stalking you for for over the years so just check okay. it in like see how, how, how's my man doing is he growing <laughs> and i've wow. seen that mm-hmm. correct me if i'm wrong now i believe you have three shops now is that right uh, close to. We're actually well. You know, we, we're gonna say yes, we do. Okay. But we only have two operating. I'm actually building out uh, our third location in in Tucker, Georgia. Tucker, Georgia. So, a couple questions. One is, have you had a mentor along the way? Where Where does this drive come from? So, you explained how you became a barber, a master barber. I understood that. Okay. But where does right. this drive to? Not only am I going to be an entrepreneur successfully. But I'm going to grow my business and expand my business 
Where does that drive come from? Who Dre, you know that that drive, that's something that you can't teach someone mm-hmm. as you already know, um, because of who you are mm-hmm. and how you operate in your life. Um but my master barber, Stanley Scott, those guys were great. They really, really took me on, under their wing. Uh, it was three gentlemen, uh, Johnny, Johnny Lewis, uh, Stanley Scott, and, um, and Walter. And they really, really, uh, the atmosphere that they ran is, I, I picked up a lot from those guys. So those were my first real mentors. Um, and I still, I still carry out a lot of the things and their format uh, in my business today. Uh, one thing that really impressed me was that they didn't allow any swearing or cussing in their barbershop. Now, of course, it happened. But when it did, they always addressed it. So it was always a family-oriented barbershop. And um, so, again, I, I took that... Uh, and um, they always had a younger child working there on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And that's something else that I've been doing for 28 years myself. Um, being, having a mentee, not to teach them how to cut hair, but have them be around, you know, positive men for, you know, six to 10 hours a day on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. But in regard to my own mentor, men, uh, having a mentor, um, I don't really have a strong mentor uh, in the barbering game, um, I do have several people that I look up to. Um, it's, it's it's really just a conglomeration of barbers and businessmen that I look up to, and I just take bits and pieces from them, and you know, put them in my business. You know, and I know that the core of all businesses are the mm-hmm. same, so you can pick up anything from anybody at any time, and, and that's what I do. Okay, makes sense. Let me ask a quick follow up question. So. What's been the biggest challenge okay. in terms of growing the business? What's been the biggest challenge? For me, the biggest challenge has been duplicating myself, not putting myself on a, on a pedestal, but finding guys that don't want to do this as a hustle, mm. finding someone that loves the craft, finding someone that wants to make a difference and Skill is the last thing that I look for. Um, you just can't change who a person is. Um, so uh, the hardest part is just finding great barbers, mm. finding good people to work in my establishment. And then when you find them, keeping them aboard, mm. um, helping them understand the vision. For me, a lot of people have, a lot of barbers have, said that when they come in in the barbershop, they've never seen a barbershop that's so fluent or has that much structure. Mm. Uh, we wear, we wear mm-hmm. uniforms, um, which is kind of hard for barbers to sometimes adopt or adapt to that because mm-hmm. they're used to freedom. But my thing is, by being uniform, you are creative. You are creating freedom outside of work. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything that we look at that is successful has structure. If you're a football fan, you're looking at teams. Every sport, you have to wear uniforms. And that Mm -hmm. keeps everybody on the same mindset. Team, teamwork. And so, again, it's it's hard to find 
great barbers. It's easy to find people that cut hair good, mm. but again, it's hard to find great barbers. Tell tell me this: as you um you're expanding your business, you have two facilities, get ready to have three. And Dre mentioned availability. I remember when I was when I had hair and used to go to the barber, I would avail. I would just allocate ninety minutes, even if the cut took fifteen. I knew I was gonna be in there ninety minutes because you're gonna see right. somebody. You're gonna just hang out, and I would I would hang right. out 30, 40 minutes after the cut. It was just like right. that was a place to, to connect. But that's right. In your companies with the availability, are you using any sort of technology like? Text Dre, uh, your seat is available in 10 minutes, or how has Absolutely. the because you've been around, as Dre said, a quarter of a century that's pre internet, that's pre Facebook, right. pre Instagram, yeah. pre TikTok. Yeah. How have you adopted these modern technologies into the fabric of your business? Well, let's let's face it, man. The beginning of technology was a pen and paper. Yeah. I remember, I, re yes. I remember signing in when I came in, I have to sign in. That's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Believe it or not, we still have a physical sign-in okay. sheet, um, just like you do when you go mm -hmm. to the doctor. It's something about mm -hmm. that that signing in. And so being that we take mm -hmm. a scientific slash doctoral approach, actually our uniforms are, our, our barbers are uh, doctor scrubs. And so you still feel like you're kind of coming to the doctor's office when you come to fatalogists because everyone you know must sign in. And it's a way to, to gather information as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, technology with us started with the, with the pen and paper. Then I eventually, once they came out with the BlackBerry, um, I started putting that paper down. I was, you know, putting my my appointments in my BlackBerry. Mm -hmm. And as business began to grow, it was so hard to stay caught up because you're taking phone calls, you are texting, and it, sometimes you have to text back because you have to negotiate these times. Mm -hmm. um, because they may want one time, but only but another time is available. Mm -hmm. And if that if that time is not available, then you got to move to another day, sometime another week, sometime another month. Mm -hmm. But thank God to technology, called a computer, called software. We are completely digitally based. Um, our phone rings ten to fifteen percent of the time, um, and so and also too. Back then, when I first started, no one really had their own cell that's right, phone. That's right. That's right. So the barbershop mm -hmm. phone was just ringing constantly, yeah. and the barbershop mm -hmm. I grew up in only had only had one phone, and that phone had to be shared amongst the barbers and uh, the customers because you had to call mom after you right. had to let her know, "Hey, I'm right. done." <laughs> but so, <laughs> but I, I use this. I was using. The webs, I, I had like five, four or five separate entities. Um, I started accepting credit cards uh, back in like 97, 98. No, it was actually 1998. At that time, it was virtually impossible to find a barbershop that would accept a credit card. And so that was like my first mm -hmm. step into like real technology, especially after I figured out how could I um, pay, pay my barbers with only one credit card machine. Mm -hmm. So I figured that mm -hmm. out. That's that's way back in the day. And so, but now with, with the technology that we use now, the app, we have an app, uh, it's the Fedologist oh, app. Wow. We have a website that you can book on. Um, you can book on all of our social media platforms. So again, we are getting new walk-ins every day just off technology. Wow. 
technology is our friend. And once you embrace it, oh man, the skies are the limit. Um, What I do now admin-wise, what used to take me two or three hours to do, I can do it in 10 or 15 minutes because everything is already calculated. So as long as technology is working, technology is our friend, man. So that's a great question. One follow-up question (laughs) on the technology is is part, let's say, 25 years ago when you just had the pen and paper, you had your your barbers. As part of your team now, you have a social media expert because if you look at all those platforms, is that someone that's part of your your structure that's not a barber but just a social media expert to handle all mm-hmm. these sites or does the do the individual barbers manage their own sites or under under your umbrella how do you keep it all consolidated and orderly with there's so many platforms so right now i'm still i'm still at the pen and paper level when it comes to that <laughs> but <laughs> eventually we want to hire someone to to run our whole social media mm-hmm. uh, package. Well, I shouldn't say package, but all about social media. Okay. And um, that's, that's a great mm-hmm. question, man. I mean, that just lets me know mm-hmm. that that's where this world is coming to. Uh, most businesses, which I try to model myself after, mm-hmm. they have someone uh, in the back office working on that social media. Mm-hmm. But yes, yes, that, that's where we're headed, man. But right now, I do all of that myself. So you mentioned that you, you're the... Uh, admin person as well right so that means you handle all everything that's outside the shop you handle correct yes sir oh man that's fascinating so how many hours a week would you say you spend on activities or things that are outside the shop so so what, what i what i'm thinking of is and it's probably much more than this social media bookkeeping um I'm I'm guessing that's the only two things. Is there more things that happen outside the shop that you have that you're over in terms of administrative? It's it's a nonstop search for that next best thing, and I, I like to be, you know, I like to consider myself in the top ten percent when it comes to to barbershop owners. Okay, it's uh, certain things that I've figured out first, mm-hmm. and I share it with people, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, again, you know, I, I'm so passionate about about what mm. I do. Uh, it's not just about cutting hair, man. It's just about changing these barbers' lives yeah. and watching them come in not having a car and driving the car that they mm. want. And so, um, God first, family mm. second, business third. Love it. And, you know, in that mm. order. But in order to take care of family... <laughs> I got to come. Yeah, work. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, mm-hmm. so, it takes a lot of flexibility from them to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Daddy may be a little bit late, but I'm gonna be right, there. Right. And admin work because of technology. Admin work can sometimes be done on the fly. Okay. Social media work can sometimes be done on the yeah. fly, but everything falls. Social media falls under admin. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you know you can. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't text and drive, but you can be at a traffic mm-hmm. light and, and put out a quick social media mm-hmm. post. So again, that's that's mm-hmm. kind of on the fly, and you want to have something that's that's attractive to people to to make them want to come. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. So here, here's the next, okay. uh, in my mind, next logical question: What's the end game? 
right? So you and I mm-hmm. have lived some pretty good lives, right? At some point, Amen. you know, yes, we both want to be able to kick back a bit, you know, sip some more of those umbrella drinks, you know, when the time is yes, right, yes, you know, yes. you know, it's kick it with our right. kids. You know, so what's what's the end game from a business perspective? What's the end game for you? Dre man, the end game for me, um, I said a long time ago, I wanted to be the first black national uh, franchise, a barber franchise. Mm. And I still have my eyes on that. Um, I have, you know, some of my colleagues that I uh, associate with, um, they have more barbershops than me. Mm. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say I'm in that I'm in that top ten percentage uh, percentile when it comes to barber because I can earn I can learn from them and earn because of them because I'm watching them and they're picking up you know things from me as well. But um, what really motivates me is uh, like going to a Hawks game. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm going to watch the Hawks play today. But my competition in my mind. Has always been that that top three, those top three uh, chains, our top three uh, franchises, super cuts, okay. great clips, sports clips. Okay. So when you go to a game, mm-hmm. you're gonna—I don't care what arena you're in—you're gonna always see sports clips floating around, just branded on, on all those monitors. And Dre, man, that's my goal to to see fadeologists. Uh, in some sports arena. And so my end game is to just have a successful franchise that I can monitor, watch, and administrate. And um, eventually, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I have to come from behind the chair. Yeah. Uh, I love cutting hair, but it, but it's a lot of work on your body. Yeah. Um, but within the next few years, man, we're going to change uh, the whole, my whole mindset my whole uh, my mindset is to cut hair because I want to, mm. not because I have yeah. to. So right now I still have to, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. Most barbershops owners do. Mm-hmm. So I'm still on the ball field with with my players, man, and um, I'm still getting my hands dirty. Okay. But uh, again, the end game, man, is to sit back. You're gonna always have to work, but sit back and really, really just watch the franchise grow. Yeah. Um, as you know. The setup is most of the money is off the field. Mm-hmm. Most of the money, mm-hmm. you know, let, let's think about it. Football, I, I use football as an example because it's just so relative. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the money in sports or in football are off mm-hmm. the field. On the admin that's side, right. on the management yep. side, on the ownership yep. side. You know, that's where I am, mm-hmm. but just in, in, in the barbershop arena. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, when when I have time, the more time I focus on admin, mm-hmm. the better the business runs. Makes sense. So right now, you know, I'm 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 spreading myself thin because I'm keeping up with both. Mm-hmm. But I love doing it. Yeah. And um, though I don't have time, I make time for everything. Your analogy was perfect. I, I love the way you compared it to football. Or like you said, most of the money are, is made off the field. That's so yes. visual. And um. Yes. I want to switch a question on you because you're a professor. I mean, professional, and you know hair. I take professor. <laughs> For, professor <laughs> Fadeologist. <laughs> but when, 
Dre and I was talking before you got on the podcast about the NCAA and the tournaments and, and all the young brothers out there playing. With, I, if I go back 25 years ago, 30 years, most brothers playing had the, the classic ball fade or they had some braids. I see mm-hmm. hairstyles now that I couldn't even imagine. So from a, and they, they have all types of cuts, braids and I don't know, buckwheat style hair or whatever it is. But from an expert, when you see that, how do you, do you like, do you see a hairstyle that you haven't seen before? It's like, because they all got nice lines, but all this up here is totally different. Do you say, man, that's unique. You're going to be like, what in the world is happening in this dude's head? (laughs) Or exactly. Are you ever surprised when you see something that's totally different? Like, man, or have you seen it all? (laughs) Well, man, you know, you Barbering, haircuts, uh, it's all art. So you never see the same, the exact same thing twice. Drake will come in one week, come in the next week, same haircut, but it's still different. So you see different haircuts every day. Uh, and the haircuts that you that we see now, as children, we weren't allowed to wear those hairstyles. We had to comb my yeah. hair. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so, right. um, we had to. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm really, really glad that we see more braids. I'm really glad that we see more dreads, more twists, uh, this nappy, neat look that we see mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it's forced society to accept us for who we are, mm-hmm. um, not mm-hmm. for how we look. And if you really look beyond a lot of these uh, uh, twists, it's a lot of neatness mm-hmm. in that. You have this same natural yeah. look on top but a sharp line, mm-hmm. and it's 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 because of because of what we see so often. You see people working at these corporate jobs wearing the same hairstyles as a rapper mm-hmm. would. Not and, and that's not categor, mm-hmm. categorizing a rapper, right. but it's just being socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we see on TV has helped us uh, and helped people in the corporate world to better understand us. And let's face it, man. Um, it's, it's us black Americans, it's, it's us black people as a whole, man, that has really changed and transcended this whole hair thing. Because at one time we were not accepted mm-hmm. simply because of our hair, regardless of how smart mm-hmm. we are, uh, how, how smart we were, uh, how smart we mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even at Fatologist, with with the music that I play, it was, it, was, it was one time I was very, very um, adamant about playing hip-hop at Fade Island. Mm-hmm. You know, clean mm-hmm. hip-hop. Because I felt like, mm-hmm. you know, when we go to these grocery stores, or even when we step in the elevator, we were forced to listen to their music. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. But um, I went against the grain. I always played clean hip-hop. Um, but at the same time, their music is our music. Our music is their music. We all mesh together. Think about it. Music brings us together. Mm-hmm. Sports brings us together. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is just accept each other for who we are. Yeah. And if we do mm-hmm. that, man, things run so much more smoothly, man. Yeah, for sure. And it was a time when bald heads weren't accepted. Yeah. Thanks to Michael Jordan, it doesn't look as gangsterish. I mean, you understand what I I'm do. saying? Yeah. Like, bald heads yeah, used I to do. be intimidating back in yeah. the day. But now, mm-hmm. it really is solving someone's personality as mm-hmm. well. So it's all about just accepting people, accepting haircuts, accepting people for who we are, 
and and just loving us or hating us for our mindset. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. one of my best friends runs one of the biggest corporations uh, in the United States, and he has those twists, man. And I love to see it because it changes his colleagues' mindsets on how they see us. Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, I'm not. Mm-hmm pulling a race card. I'm just saying, it's, it's just the truth, mm-hmm. man. I mean, at my mm-hmm. barbershop, it's it's a melting pot for cultures, man. And it's been that way since day one. We've always had a tremendous percentage of uh, diverse group of people. Different races that come mm-hmm. to birth. That diversity, yes, exactly. Not just mm-hmm. uh, customer base, but diversity amongst the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when, when, when you come in our barbershop, man, we welcome people from all walks of life. We welcome staff from all walks of life. We don't care about your sexual preference. We don't care about your gender. We don't care about your race. We just want to just create this atmosphere where everyone feels comfortable. And, and you know, you know, it's interesting. That is illustrated in a couple of your social media posts. During COVID, um, mm. when I was stalking you, <laughs> I noticed you had, you had you, <laughs> cool. there was yeah. a lady who is trying to cut her husband's hair, I believe, and called you on the phone. Yeah. And you're walking her through, okay, you got to do yeah. this, you got to do that. Which, again, illustrates what you were just saying, how you know, you're know you welcoming to everyone. Everyone needs an environment where they feel comfortable, they, get, they know they can get, get a good yeah. cut and welcoming. Yeah. And, and I'll say, again, going back 28 years or so, I've always seen that. This is anything new that that for the listeners that he's been doing to to get new customers. Also, now I have a question for you before we get to the final four. I just want to share that the level of humility that this guy has. Um, I guess most people will never know because the heads the heads that he's cut, and I only know about a couple NFL guys that he's cut, but the heads that he's cut is like yo. If they knew the people whose heads you cut, they probably be like, "Oh, we, you're lying enough to come get get a cut from you." But uh, his level of humility <laughs> is 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 bar none. Okay, so here's here's a question for you before we go to the final four. So, what's one thing that most people don't know about you that you wish they knew? Hmm, great question, Dre. Great question. Um, before before I answer that, I want to just kind of just step step. I don't know how, how much time we have, but I want to just step back to. Uh, what you saw, yeah. you saw uh, me walking somebody. Yeah. That was the first virtual, I call it that virtual haircut. Okay. That was the first virtual haircut that I had ever performed. Wow. And they came, they came up with that idea. They needed a haircut so bad. They, was like, they were like, Jay, can we FaceTime you and uh, you walk us through this haircut? <laughs> and so because of them, because of that one thought, yeah. Jay, uh, during COVID, man, that really changed my life wow. because I was able to still generate money. Okay. I did that many times. Okay. Um, so uh, shout out to my big brother, John Abate. And speaking of, he was one of my mentors as well. Wow. So, wow. but Check that out. the question that you asked was, what's one thing that people don't, that you wish they knew? What's one thing they don't know about you that you wish they knew about you? I wish that they could uh, see behind the veil and know that I'm always on their side, regardless of how things may seem. It's hard to sometimes receive constructive criticism um, because a barbershop, most barbershops are family oriented. Mm. Sometimes it it makes things difficult for me to address issues, but I have to. 
And as long as people keep in mind that, hey, we're on the same side, I got your back, um, things will be so much smoother, man. And uh, But one thing that people don't know about me that I can necessarily say, uh, I'm not sure whether they, I wish that they would know that or not, is, man, I hate public speaking. To be honest, to, to, just to do this podcast, yeah. man, were you, were you sweating? Yeah. Just like, well, why am I doing this? You're you know? a natural. <laughs> You're a natural. Yeah, you are. So, you know, I'm very effective one-on-one. I'm very effective in small groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but just public speaking, man, um, that's just not my thing. I would never guess. But I would do it because I have to. I would to, never guess. You know, so, yeah. That was natural. Yeah, man, mm-hmm. public speaking, man, yeah. is is it's not your thing. It's tough for yeah. me. Yes, sir. But, but I go beyond my fears. You know what's interesting is is and you probably know this that the number one fear most people have isn't death; it's public speaking. So you're not alone. Most people have feel the same way. Let, let, wow. let me ask you one more question wow. before we go to the final wow. four. Um, just out of curiosity, I know it's been okay. like 25 years, and my guess is he's probably gone and done something else differently. In the shop uh, over there, off of uh, was it Peachtree Industrial? Um, there was a dude on the right, light skinned dude. Is he still with you? You know what I'm talking about? Amazing. Bernard. Bernard, yeah. that's him, yeah. Amazingly. Yes, sir. Believe it or not, man. Um, Bernard and I went, Bernard and I met in college. And uh, he was cutting hair back then. And um, he came to work with me. He was he was, he was the first barber ever at Fatologist. And uh, he went, uh, once he started a family, he wanted to be closer to home. So he ended up uh, moving to a barbershop closer to home, and he started his own barbershop called Level Headed. And so he, he ran a very successful business for years, and then he ended up moving to Pittsburgh. And so he ended up shutting his barbershop down, and almost two years ago, believe it or not, man, he he, came, he moved back to Atlanta, man, and he's working at Fade Audrey's Check right that now, out. Bro. You know what? Because here's, yes, here's sir, why I asked. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I saw a clip. Mm-hmm. I saw a clip on Instagram, and I saw a dude that was talking. I'm like... <laughs> He looks like that dude that was in the shop back in the day. Is, is he on one of your Instagram clips? That's him, man. Yeah. Okay, I thought I was yeah, him. Yeah, he's on several. Tell him I said what's up, yeah. if he remembers yeah. me. Bernard's the man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah, Bernard's the man. Yeah. Yes, there sir. There he is. Cool, cool. <laughs> all right, Smiley. Well, awesome. Well, we had this thing called the Final Four, and we asked all our podcast guests. And so if you were to have a dinner, there's four chairs at the table. You're in one. Three other people at the dinner table, alive or dead, who would you want at their dinner with you and why? President Obama. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Shaquille O'Neal. Ooh, that's a good one. And um, I have two more chairs? One. One more. One more? Oh, I thought it was four chairs. That, there's four Oh, a sports no, including you. Yeah, but oh, you can you add an extra one. We'll bring up another chair. We could we could bring up another chair if you like. <laughs> <laughs> so you got four, you got two more. <laughs> so this so, so this is kind of like that Mount Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Thing. Okay. Um, probably Martin Luther King, man. and the reasons why they all, as you know, they've all done something great that have impacted the world. Um, we know what Martin Luther King has done. We know what. Obama has done. Um, I like Shaquille O'Neal. Um, he's actually one of the celebrities that uh, used to frequent the shop. So um, 
just to see what he's doing, man, just to see how he has transcended the world of basketball. And you know and I know most athletes end up failing after their life in basketball. And just to see how Shaquille has just transcended everything and um, he maintains his uh, relativity and um, I guess that's the right word, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is just so impactful, man. Um, He's so down to earth. His passion for people. uh, I mean, he's like, he's not the Obama. He's not Martin Luther King, but he embodies those same things. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. you've never seen Shaq really, Shaq doesn't get off, uh, get in trouble, man. I mean, he he always just runs a a clean ship. Mm. Um, Look at Obama, clean ship. Martin Luther King, clean Mm -hmm. ship. None of these guys are perfect, but you know what what Shaq stands for, man, for me, it's just just a lot, man. And and even when he came to the barbershop, he was just just so humble. Mm. Uh, the crazy part was, I still have it today. He came in the barbershop and signed in as Kobe Bryant. <laughs> so that, that was crazy, man. <laughs> that, that was crazy. Man. And, um, <laughs> but he yeah. has, you know, he, he's just so down to earth, man. He, all, all three, those three guys, they just, they touched the world, mm-hmm. man. Um, and Martin Luther King is gone, but he, what he's done is still being lived through other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and all three of those guys, they pretty much embody the same thing. They're just doing, they're just being successful or were successful in their own field. Yeah. You know, Martin Luther King didn't do it for the money, mm-hmm. but he showed that that we could be successful by being nonviolent. Mm-hmm. You know, that was his, that was his protest. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, they both impacted the black community you know, so much. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but because of the impact that they had on the black community, other cultures in the community, other cultures in our community uh, benefit mm-hmm. from that. So, yeah, those would be those three at, at my table. Nice, man. nice. So what's been what's been your, uh, your greatest success, professionally or personally? Wow. Hmm. Um... One of my greatest successes is um, being a national brand, mm. um, being being recognized nationally as uh, one of the best barbershops uh, in the nation. Um, but my most proud moment was a private moment. Mm. And uh, it's a gentleman, he was in the Marines. Uh, his name is actually Decatur. Mm. And um, he pulled me to the side one day and um, he said, man, the way you run your business, the way you do things, he said, you make me proud to be black. Mm. And for someone who lived through the civil rights and went through all of that, joined the Marines when it was a very racist uh, uh, part of the military, uh, for him to just say, man, and he whispered this, he whispered in my ear, he said, John, you make me feel proud to be black mm. and that just to me that was my most proud moment mm-hmm. that that goes beyond the mm-hmm. national um recognition mm-hmm. man so you know that just that supersedes it all Dre, that's big because he didn't have to say that 
yeah, that's that's very big for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So man. that's that's probably my, my most proudest moment, man. Man, man that's impactful. Yeah, that, that gave me chills when you said that, man. So I can yeah. imagine the chills he gave you when he sold it to you in your ear. But um, yeah. what's yeah, what's your know. superpower, for example? I'm sorry. Yeah, what, what's your superpower? The Flash runs fast. Superman flies. John H. F. Douglas the Third. What's your superpower? Oh, wow, um, <laughs> man, my superpower would be <laughs> um, my ability to pull things out of people that need to be pulled out of. Mm. Um, so. People tend to open up when they're comfortable. And once I pull that out, then I have to replace that with with something of quality, mm. something that they can take with them, uh, hopefully, on, on the rest of their life. So, again, you know, I take something out and I try to replace it with, with something positive. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. So... Mm-hmm. Like that, you've lived a, a, a an exceptional life compared to most, right? You have an incredible, incredibly successful business. Um, you're an active community member, right? If you were to write a book about your life, what would the title be? Well, I have two documentaries out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call them. I call it a docu series. The first one is the story of John H.F. Douglas III. Um, the second is Finding Fatologist. Mm. So, um, if I could, and I'm actually uh, in the process of writing our autobiography. So, I don't have a title yet, Dre. Okay. But, um, you know, when, I, when I'm when I'm dead and gone, I don't know if this is going to be the title of my book, but when I'm dead and gone, man, I just want people to know that, you know, I try to love others mm. and I try to make other people's lives better mm-hmm. um, from a client base to those that work at Fade Out. Mm. And um, so I guess the title of the book would be Making Other People's Lives Better. Mm. John... This has been a most remarkable podcast. Uh, I, I really want to thank you and tell you I appreciate your words and appreciate the your business. I, I've heard of the term fatologist, and until Dre mentioned that it was a business, I just like, oh, I got this. But I've been hearing that term for a couple of years now. But uh, I'm just like, I'm impressed with what you're doing. Keep going. And and I, I don't go to many sports venues, but now I'm going to be looking up there waiting for the time I see fadeologists come across a little sign at the top. So I'm sending you positive yeah. energy and vibes because I'm looking forward that it'll be there soon. So thank you, man. Uh, thanks again. Man, I know we had a quiet moment in the end, but I kind of got emotional. You know what I mean? It happens, man. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, bro. As we reflect in our lives, yeah. you know, there's things that they come out in the most inopportune times, right? We never expect it. We had a podcast recently where I was sharing a story about, you know, uh, uh, a moment with my mom. And, I, I, you know, it touched me. You know, it definitely, um, and I, I didn't expect that. But 
I, piggybacking on what Smiley said, you know, one of the things that excited me about you being on this podcast, Jay, is, is I was telling Smiley, like, we never hung out. You and I never hung out. Like, we weren't boys, right? But, you know, when you have a barber, there's a relationship there that you develop, you know? Yeah. And that, um, yeah. for me, at least, yeah, I, I, I could have been the, the clingy uh, uh, person that you didn't even know existed. But for me, it was like, man, this dude's doing big things. Um, and, 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 wow. and as I got older and looking back, is when it really impacted me at the moment. It was all about, you know, yeah. what I appreciated at the moment. Wow. Getting a dope cut, wow. good people. Wow. Wow. Um, Bernard left wow. an impact on me, clearly. You know, I asked about it. You know, he left an wow. impact on me. Yeah. You had other barbers there, but they weren't as memorable. I don't even know who they were. I'm sure they were good people. They're yeah. sure they're good people. Right. Right. But I just remember right. Bernard left right. an impact right. on me. Um, and so what you're doing, man, just, you know, yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, you, 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 you're making a difference. And hopefully what I've been sharing with you helps to, uh, to, to indicate, illustrate that. Um, I'm glad that you took the time to, to out of your day. I know you're a busy man. You know, your Sundays are valuable. Being a barber, you know, the last thing you want to do on Sundays is something related to work, I imagine. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time to, to kick it with us for a bit. Well, well man, this is, well, I, I appreciate it, Dre. This is a part of work, man. Uh, this is a part of your work, man. And I'm just uh, very, very happy that you thought enough of me to bring me on your show, bro. Yeah, man. Um, that means a lot, man. And um, as you know, you know, most relationships uh, at barbershops never transcend the barber chair. Uh, you can only hang out with so many people, but don't ever think that um, that you're less important or that you were less important at that time. Time just didn't allow that to happen. Mm. But we're hanging out virtually now, and man, I look forward to hanging out hanging out with you in the future, man. And when you reached out to me a few weeks back, you know, man, God knows what He's doing, man. Um, I literally had just thought about you, bro. Word. I'm like, I wonder what Dre is doing, Check man. That out. Yeah, man, this that that is no lie, Check bro. That out. And um, so that so that was just, I know it was kind of hard for us to connect. Yeah. Um, but I was, man, I was in a I was in a whirlwind. Um, with my business, man, um, a little tornado, uh, you know, sometimes a tornado comes through and disturb things and it drops off things and items right where they need to be. It looks like a pile of mess, mm -hmm. but as you sort through things, you know, things are right where they need to be. So, but I'm so glad to, uh, you know, be on your show, bro. <laughs>